Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus is, uh, I'll get back to this again in a moment, but when he, uh, when Jesus spoke to the people, again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lord, open this up to us today in the name of Jesus. So we are going with 2020 vision. And, uh, so on Friday, I was trying to do a little research, uh, for this sermon and, and I thought, you know, I probably had the same thought that a lot of you guys had. So I looked up Brian Regan eye exam. And uh, he is a comedian, in case you didn't know that. Actually, when he, we first started hearing about him, we would listen to him at lunch because, I don't know, we needed to laugh or something. But uh, he, he was telling the story, and, 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 and uh, he said, I hadn't been to the eye doctor in six years. Like six years, and he's got bad eyes. And he said, I walked out, they gave him the glasses and everything. I walked out there, and he said, I could see. <laughs> you know, and he said, how, how in the world does instantaneously seeing better not get to the top of the to-do list for, for all those years. So I was like, we do that. I do that. You know, how, how does instantly getting better not be something that we would want to do? And so I went from there and I sat down for lunch with Kim and I said, what's your vision? And she got kind of heavy looking and looked down and like this and I was like, what's up? She goes, I, I don't. I said, what's your vision? She goes, I, I, you mean like my life or for this year? Or it's like, no, your eyesight. What's your eyesight? <laughs> she said, oh, okay. It's, it's bad. It's got big numbers. <laughs> She's got contact lenses. And so 2020 vision is just another way of saying seeing clearly. That's, that's literally what it means. A Dutch ophthalmologist in, uh, uh, the 1800s kind of came up with this system for being 20 feet away and you have a certain amount of sight things that you're seeing. And that's kind of where that comes from. But the problem is for us, there's lots of reasons why we don't see clearly, right? So if you're in darkness, you can't see clearly, right? You stumble around. That's when you fall. That's when you stumble is, is in darkness. Um, if you're unconscious, you can't see clearly. If you're asleep, you can't see clearly. If you're dead, you can't. It's like, no, that's right, man. You can't see Jack. If you're, if you're dead, asleep, or in darkness. And we want to talk about this in the next few weeks, these different things. And, but one of the main overarching reasons we can't see clearly is sin. It's just sin. It's like the, the fall in the garden. It's such a great picture. Because Adam and Eve walking in intimacy with God. Then don't eat from the tree. They eat from the tree. And what's the first decision that they make is to go hide from God. Like their first decision is a decision of blindness about who God is. They've just been walking with him in fellowship. And now they think God's somebody they're supposed to be hiding from. Isn't that crazy? And so our sin our fallenness, it's like a darkness that hinders us from seeing God as He really and truly is. 
It's like when, when we, just in our sinful condition, it's like having big Coke bottle, the, the end of a Coke bottle on glasses. And, you know, just everything's kind of distorted. And we take that distorted, messed up perspective and we say, God, you know, and then we go, you're like this. And we start painting on the face of God out of our own brokenness, hurts, wounds, the pagan ways that we join in with pagan thinking about God. Let's go sacrifice a child to this God or something. And it's just out of that pain and woundedness. And that's why we need Jesus, who is the light of the world. We cannot see God apart from Jesus Christ. We're, we're like, He is the light of the world. And no one's ever seen God but the Son. And He's made Him known to us. So it's out of that, like, and why is this so, why is this so important? Why is this so important? It's because every single one of us has a tendency to drift apart from life in Jesus. Anybody ever drift like this past week a little bit? Or maybe this, maybe a little bit in 2019. There's several hands going up right now. <laughs> Lord have mercy on us. We just need him so much, you know, and it's the gospel. It's the like, like the gospel. There's lots of different ways of saying the gospel. We'll talk about a, an aspect of it each week, but it's the gospel of light. It's the gospel of the glory of Christ. Paul says it this way in Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse four, says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ, but Christ is Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Like, this is it. Like, He is the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He reveals God to us. And we are, we're just, we're, it, it, no matter how much you think you've got it down or you're religious or you know the Scriptures or whatever, without Jesus Christ, you can't see God. It's kind of like an old-time preacher. I just caught myself. <laughs> Mercy. I, that, this is so, oh, it's so important. Lord, help us. And, and it's so important for us because we drift and we need it in our personal lives. We need it in our habits for 2020. We need it in our families and relationships and marriages and with our kids and with our siblings and our brothers and sisters and our parents. We need this work. We need it in our personal lives. We need it in our schools. We need it at the university. We need it. We need it in our jobs. No matter what it is, we need this word. And part of my burden here is just that we would see Jesus as the beginning, the middle, the end. It's for our sakes that He's become wisdom from God for us. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. 
that is our starting point and our getting there all along the way and the finish at the end. He is Alpha and Omega. This book was written in 53. It's called The Indescribable Christ. And there's been seasons in my journey where I'll, where I'll just, I'll take time meditating on the ABCs of Jesus. I did this one time uh, years ago. I was uh, at the office and, and I, I was just like, Jesus, you are just awesome and authentic and the author of salvation and beautiful and benevolent and bold and caring and compassionate and dazzling and delightful and energetic and effulgent of grace and mercy. You are just gigantic, glad, global, honorific, huge, holy, indescribable, massive, magnificent. And so when I originally did that, I turned around, I'd gotten like ABC or something. I turned around and there was a million word thesaurus right behind me. And I started working my way through that thesaurus saying, Jesus, you are. And I had to eventually go home, went home. Kim said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, uh, just presence of God, man. I mean, just like literally thumbing through a five inch thick book saying, Jesus, you are. There's a lot of things that don't work, but there's a lot of things that do put together a pretty great list, you know. And one of the things somebody had referred me to this book, it's Charles J. Rolls. There's a picture of him on the back. He's 96 in this picture, looks happy reading his, the, the same Bible he's had for seven, 75 years. 75 years. like this guy. He's with the Lord a long time now. He's been gone. This book was written in 53. And he says, our purpose here is to occupy our minds in meditation on the range and renown of Christ's glory is set forth in this profound claim. I am Alpha and Omega. That's Revelation 22 encompassing, as it does, all of literature in any given language. Think about that. The implication in the use Christ makes of it is this. I am the whole revelation of God. Alpha, Omega, all the different characters, letters that you put together to describe the glory of God. In any language, I am Alpha and Omega. No aspect of Christ's life or ministry dims the luster of any single feature of the attributes of God, whom He resembles and represents completely. I am preaching Jesus Christ to you. In Christ, all of the divine attributes are perfectly balanced, this being seen equally in His matchless kindness, His stainless pureness, His peerless loveliness, His blameless justice, His flawless righteousness, his faultless meekness, his fadeless faithfulness, his staunchless goodness, his priceless preciousness, his boundless blessedness, his taintless truthfulness, his spotless holiness, and 30 other remaining characteristics that I'm not going to go into now. But you, I mean, you've heard some of this language. Don't look up S.M. Lockridge right now in the service, but look him up later. That's my king. Well, he borrows some of that language from right here because he healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, forgave the sinners, discharged the debtors, delivered the captives, blessed the young, served the unfortunate, regarded the aged, defended the feeble, rewarded the diligent, and beautified the meek. He is the master of the mighty, the captain of the conquerors, the head of the heroes, the leader of the legislators, the overseer of the overcomers, the governor of the governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. That's my king. <laughs> 
That's the way Pastor Lockridge says, that's my king. Hurts my throat. I don't know how you do it and keep going. I start coughing. <laughs> Woo! Trying to preach. Trying to get through an introduction. I mean, again, he is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. We can't see God without looking to the one who brings light into the world to show us what God is really like. He is the, the, how we calibrate, how we look to, how we see, you know, and if we don't look first to Jesus, and say, oh, but I know something deeper about God back here behind this God that Jesus reveals. Watch out. We'll end up in idolatry. I mean, there's not a, there's not a God behind the God that Jesus reveals. There is no unchristlikeness in God. To see Him is to see God. And so we keep, we keep, and the Holy Spirit keeps leading us back and back and back again to Jesus Christ. The light of the Gospel, of the glory of God, is where? It's in the face of Jesus Christ. And that God who says, let there be light in creation, says, let there be light in your hearts to see Jesus Christ. God was pleased to reveal His Son in me. Praise be to God. Maybe we'll talk about it more next week, but what Jesus has done for humanity, it's just a blow away. It's just incredible. Just that He would take me with Him and deal with me so that I could be raised to life, to real life and to know Him, to see Him, to see God, to see this beautiful salvation. And that understanding comes to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Am I being clear on that? Yeah, I'm just thankful. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, God. And here's what I'm trying to say today in a sentence. In order to see in a world of darkness, we have to look to Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. So Jesus is the light of the world who meets us in our darkness. Let's turn to John chapter 1. I'm going to read some from John today. John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And I'll just mention this right here at the start. I, I say it from time to time, but um, one of the church fathers, a guy named Jerome, shared a tradition that had been passed down to him about how the Gospel of John was written, which the story is that the bishops of Asia got together and said, John, would you write your Gospel? Would you write your version of the Gospel? And so John prayed and fasted for seven days and then said, yes. Now, the reason I like to tell that, and the reason it's just... Where does John start? Where's John going to start? He's writing at the end of the first century, much later than the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's writing at the end. And where does he start? He starts with Jesus, just high and lifted up. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Turn toward is what that turn toward, prostone, theon. And the Word was God. He was with God, turned toward God in from any. In, like, in the Greek, there's no the, like in beginning. So it's just, it's NRK, Hologos. So it's just, 
in a beginning that didn't really have a beginning. It's not the beginning. In beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? Like everybody, everywhere, everything. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. The writer of Hebrews says, and He holds all things together by the power of His Word. His powerful Word. Like, you may think you're far away, but God's holding you together. He wants you to see a revelation of who He really is in Jesus Christ. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So it's, again, distorted lens, Coke bottle glasses, walking around, painting our misunderstandings about God on His face until the light shines in the darkness and allows us to see. He's our only hope. He's our only hope. And He's the light that shines in the darkness. What's the darkest place you've ever been in your life? That sounds like a spiritual question. What's the darkest physical place you've ever been? Yeah, a cave. That's me too. We went to uh, Longhorn Cavern. We took the kids there. It's down by Marble Falls somewhere. And uh, you go on this little tour down in there, and they get to a, get, get you to way down in the earth, and they sh- they shut the well. They tell you not to move because you're on like a, some railing stuff, and they say don't move, and they shut the lights off. And I mean, you can't see in a cavern when they turn the lights off. Now, you do like this. They have you do that. And it's like your mind imagines. I I think I'm seeing my... But you can't. It's darkness. And that is such a picture of, of us without the light of the world. And I mean, even just just a flicker, a candle in the midst of total darkness changes things, doesn't it? We do the candle lighting service each year, you know, and it's like... Lord, help us to see this. You are the light of the world. And You've called us to be that kind of a light-bringing people. The Word through the Old Testament, well, really, blindness and darkness, being blind and dark, darkness, it's all, through the, it's all through the Scriptures. It's the way we're described without God. Blind, dark. Isaiah prophesies it. You know, they'll be seeing but not seeing. Hearing but not hearing. And... Jesus says that to people too. Uh, you, you see, but you don't see. And so we need our hearts, our lives, our minds enlightened by the light that Jesus brings. He is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And the same God that said, let there be light, says, let there be light in your hearts to see the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Look to Him. Look to Him. Look to Him. Look to Him. Remember, we drift. We drift. Keep looking to Him. Tomorrow morning, look to Him. This afternoon, look to Him. This evening, look to Him. He is the light of the world. So He meets us right where we need Him the most. He meets us in darkness. In our darkness. When we could do nothing to save ourselves, when we were enemies in our own minds, God makes a way. It's just really good news. I mean, 
I could stop at any one of these places and we could say, Amen. I mean, this is, I'm already preaching the, the good news, but there's more. Jesus is the light of the world. He meets us in our darkness and he shows us how to see. He shows us how to see. Verse 14 of John 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who's at the Father's side, has made him known. So I'm just saying this in lots of different ways, but it's you want to see God? Look to Jesus. You want to see reality? Look to Jesus. You want to understand the scriptures? Look to Jesus. You want to see the way for your life or the truth for your life or the life for your life? Look to Jesus. He's the bread. He's the water. He's the great I am. He is God in the flesh. And He shares all of that with us. One of the things you notice, if you start kind of looking at John, you start seeing this light, the blindness, the darkness being confronted. John 3, or John 1, John the Baptist, there He is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 3, Nicodemus, a teacher in Israel, comes to Jesus and Jesus is like, you can't see the kingdom. You can't even see this until you have life from above. Till you recognize the light that I'm bringing into the world. You can't see this. You're Israel's teacher, but you don't understand this. John 4, Jesus is bringing light everywhere He goes. Just a different perspective. you got a Samaritan woman, different race, multiple sin kind of scenarios in her life. They didn't do meals together. He's going to break all of those boundaries in showing us what God's like in that one little chapter. Think about how just crossing boundaries. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to recognize you. And she's like, wow, what do I do with this? And he goes, it's me. I'm the God that you're seeking. God's looking for worshipers, not just here, but all over the place where Jesus is treasured. John 5, He's the life. John 6, He's the bread. John 7, okay. So John 7 starts some confrontations with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And I mean, you want some like intense confrontations. There's a Gospel of John version out there on video that actually captures, I think, this pretty well. It's just the Scriptures. But man, it's intense. It's intense, and Jesus is talking to them, and they're rejecting Him, and they're questioning Him. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus then in John 8, well, yeah, He he says, He spoke to them again, and He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the intense conflict goes on. It just keeps going, and they're calling Him the devil, and He's, he's saying your father is the devil who lies all the time. You're speaking your native language. And they get to the end of that and he says, before Abraham was born, I am. And they were going to kill him, but he walked through the crowd. And then interestingly, John puts a story right there, right next after this light of the world stuff and this confrontation about Jesus healing a man who was born blind, blind from birth. And Jesus is going to heal this guy and he's going to be able to see. It's powerful, isn't it? Just think about the timing. John's doing this unveiling of who Jesus Christ is and what the gospel is. So let's read some of this together. 
John 9. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but most of it. As he went along, he saw a man born blind, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, and I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him, I don't know. And so the Pharisees, the leaders, they bring him in and they talk to him. They talk to his parents, and he doesn't want, he's like, I don't know. He was fearing what we, any of us, even today, can fear in witnessing to Jesus Christ. We don't want to be kind of pushed back from our group or our being included. They, we don't want to face exclusion because of the witness of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. So they, they confront Him. Then He comes in a second time. Verse 24, they summoned Him. Give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner. Time out. What we think we know is a massive problem. What we think we know is it's like it's the water we swim in. You know, it's what we think. It's the way things are. It's the way it's always been. It's the way I understand it, and therefore it's right. And it confronts me to see Jesus Christ face to face. It confronts darkness in me. confronts bad thinking in me. We know this man is a sinner. Well, no, that's, that's not right. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Arr, they hurled insults at him. You're this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly and who do, who do his will. Nobody has ever heard of the eyes of a man born blind. Nobody's ever heard of this, heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe and worshiped him. Okay, just for clarity, just making sure 
That's, he doesn't say, hey, no, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's, it's right. It's righteous like Thomas. Or the disciples. On the Mount of, just as Jesus is uh, uh, in the ascension. It says they worshipped Him. And some doubted. Which is just, isn't that kind of, I always, but some doubted. Like the resurrected Jesus Christ and some can still doubt. So Lord, open our eyes. Lord, help us. Have mercy, God. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with Him heard Him say this and asked, what? Are, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. Jesus is the light of the world who breaks into the midst of our darkness. And it's in seeing Him and not saying, we've got it all together, we know everything about God. We look to Jesus again and again and again. And tomorrow and the next day and this, this year and the next year, if He tarries, we keep looking to Jesus. Jesus shows us how to see. And He shows us how to live. John 11, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. John 12, another clash with the the Pharisees. I I do want to say this. Somebody texted me this morning with a word about Lazarus. And I I may talk about that next week. Just So where this is going, light of the world, life of the world, Lord of the world, lover of the world, or love to the world. We'll see how that ends. Um, But somebody texted and just with a word about Lazarus being raised from the dead, but he was still in his grave clothes. And it's not till the end of that chapter when Jesus said, take the take the grave. He's alive. He was dead. Now he's alive. And take the grave clothes off. Like, anybody need that like today? I need to see him, but I don't need to keep you know shuffling around with all the stuff that marks my life as death. I want to be alive to Jesus. I want to be alive to him. She shows us how to live. So he's having another confrontation in John 12. And John, the apostles, quoting Isaiah here. So Isaiah says he's blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so they can't see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about Him. Isn't that wild? So Jesus then cries out, when a man believes in Me, he does not believe in Me only but in the One who sent Me. Say that again. When a man believes in Me, he does not believe in Me only, but in the One who sent Me. And when he looks at Me, he sees the One who sent Me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in Me should stay in darkness. And this is how we live. We live looking to Jesus. We see looking to Jesus. We find our way through this dark world looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus. What we're taking in, looking to Jesus. And how we're living, how we treat people, looking to Jesus. How we do politics this year, looking to Jesus. Right? We'll talk more about that in two weeks. But I mean, how are we going to do this apart from Him? You know, Peter played such a prominent role in the life of Jesus and with the apostles. 
but he blows it. He, he denies the Lord multiple times on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And then Jesus restores him at the end of the Gospel. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he restores him. And at the end of Peter's life, he is about to be killed, about to be martyred under Nero. In 2 Peter, I'll finish with this, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1, this is the end of his life, and this is how he's encouraging, encouraging us. Kim and I, we were just kind of going through this passage yesterday and saying, we're going to memorize this. We've done it in the past, but just anybody who wants to join us, memorize this particular passage. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers... Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's good news. But walking in that light is a process where we're, we're, we're walking this thing out. We don't just, just believe and it's all done. So we walk this life out together and we we keep going so that we don't, again, drift and become nearsighted and blind and miss Jesus for who He is. Make sense? So, two words. Uh, we'll have some ministry. But the word for the, the Antioch movement this year is the same word from last year. The time is now. So if there's things that God's saying to do, the time is now. Things to obey. The time is now. Stuff to respond to the Lord. To realign. To calibrate. To repent. The time is now. And the word for the church, for Antioch, Fort Worth, is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We were just hearing that. I mean, who doesn't? Man, we are going to, I'm telling you, we're going to need that word of allegiance and Lordship and the reign of Jesus Christ as we move through 2020. Mark my words. And then just, given to God, Nathan, it's not just about money. It's that our lives, our whole lives would be consecrated to God. All the different ways we say that and all the different rich traditions of church history, the different streams, so many of them find their way to this thing about being given, consecrated, the yielded life, the surrendered life, the sanctified life, the baptized life, the baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues life, the baptized in the Holy Spirit, not speaking in tongues life. Oh, come on. <laughs> Yielded, consecrated, all that stuff. You know, and it's, it's, Lord, would you just have your way in us? Man, I, I need it. And I know you need it. I, I need encouragement. Right? It's my bummer birthmark. 
Just he needs encouragement. And we all do. Right? Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We can't see in this world of darkness but by looking to Him. He reveals God. He reveals the Scriptures. It's the only way to understand this. You know, and you'll... It's the only way we can live in a world of tit-for-tat, the wrong kingdom, escalating violence. The only way we can do that is look to Jesus and His self-giving, cross-like looking love. He is the light of the world. And, you know, we're going to be processing this in different ways, whether it's our, in our families or in life groups, all the different around the church and discipleship. But what is the state of your life right now concerning Jesus being the light of the world in your life? That's, that's the, that's where the rubber meets the road. And, and Jesus needs to be the light this afternoon and right now and in 2020. We need that vision so that we can, we can't see and see clearly apart from looking to Him. So that's the call. Is come to Jesus. Look to Jesus and really see. Let your life be changed by the Lord who brings light into the midst of darkness. Y'all stand up. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, come on up. We'll, we'll take a few minutes here and just respond to God. And this invitation I mean, if you were ready to start a journey with Jesus Christ and you're just, I see him. I see that it's about him. This is like salvation to me. Pray with somebody. Pray with somebody. If you need to be baptized, we'll, we'll make a way for that to happen as soon as we possibly can. And so if you're starting that journey, but for so many of us right now, it's like, we need to see Jesus as the light of the world. And I just want to encourage you guys, get prayer for this, for this year. I want to, I want to start this year off aligning to the person of Jesus who brings, like, if all the lights were off, we couldn't see real clear. We'd stumble around. We'd be in darkness. But He illuminates our lives, our thinking, our hearts, our emotions, what's needed in our lives and aligns us and helps us in the power of His Holy Spirit. So get prayer. Pray with people. And it, it may be, too, that the front fills up just... I just I pray as many people as feel comfortable being prayed for today would get prayer. Just even if it's just your, somebody you're sitting with that you know, just put a hand on my shoulder. Put a hand on appropriately. And, and just say, Lord, Jesus, reveal yourself to my friend in the name of Jesus. Be the light of the world right here, right now. Y'all come, get prayer. Father, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Change our darkened thinking. Help us out of the pits that we find ourselves in this morning. Whatever different sin stuff or darkness that needs to change, habits just need to be reworked in our lives. Be the light of the world right there. Help us. You guys, come, get prayer. Go for it. Be bold.